This episode of RFK Refugees is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to ensure that there are future episodes and help this show grow, visit patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. That's patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. Enjoy the show. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, RFK Refugees Podcast. Ted here, John here, talking DC United, Washington Spirit. Uh what a what a week, man. What a weekend. What a weekend we've had here in soccer in this country. In this in this wonderful DMV that we that we call home. Whether you're in Richmond, Richmond sign Richmond's been signing some players. That's what we want to talk about, right, John? Yeah. Yeah, we, we 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 that's all that's all we wanted to talk about was uh Richmond's new players who I haven't looked up yet on who they are. So no, I'm just kidding folks. Uh this is a D, this is a DC related podcast. We're going to talk uh we've got Travis Clark coming on the show to talk Washington Spirit and the draft that happened. Um uh, we decided to be a little different. Normally normally we've brought Travis on to preview the draft, talk about the draft. But we kind of came into the we came into the both the D, both the MLS Super Draft and the NWSL Super Draft not thinking that really anything big was going to happen. Uh, particularly the um, NWSL draft because the t- uh the Spirit did not have a pick till the 3rd round. So, uh we we weren't really expecting anything big. Uh they even it was even kind of funny because both um Richie Burke and they were kind of playing things down and then uh things happened. So, we will get into that. We will talk about that. Uh, but then, uh, so so we also sat down to do the show yesterday. Um, I was not in a good headspace. Um, I won't really say why, because this is not what the show is about. Uh, but I was not in a good headspace last night. Um, things were happening that I did not agree with, and uh, we'll leave it at that. Um, so we decided to take a break, and uh, thank goodness we did, because uh, DC decides just to completely turn our world and our transfer window again upside down. Um, John, tell the people who, who, what did DC go out and do today? That was so unbelievably surprising and in, in a good way, surprising. Um, was it about, uh, Chris sites? Was it about something about players coming to do fitness testing? Was that, was that what you wanted to talk about? Or was there another player news, like a, like a player thing that happened that you wanted to talk about? I think there was, there was a small, player. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. You're right. You're right. I should have remembered. Yeah. DC United traded for Julian Gressel. Sort of out of uh, really nowhere. <laughs> out of nowhere is a good way to say it. There, there was nothing. There was no. There was no. You know, no buzz. There was no build up. Nothing that we thought we could ha- even have a show yesterday about this. Um, and then it was literally out of nowhere. Uh, Stephen Goff pops up and says, "Hey, DC United trade for Julian Gressel," and it's like, "Wait a minute, what?" <laughs> So um, DC United is sending uh, $650,000 right now in allocation money. I think it's targeted allocation money. Um, uh, There there actually might be some weirder breakdowns of that. But basically $650,000. And then there's some performance incentives that basically will probably bring it up to about a million dollars. I'm going to go and go on a limb. I think that's the most they've ever spent in allocation money on a player. I, I That's Darlington Nagme money. for uh, That's how much uh, Atlanta paid for... Uh, Nagby when they got him yeah yeah so I mean big big type money um I mean this is this is a big move this is a move that if I wanted to come up with a bounce back player from Brian Lozano by the way I think we've talked about on the show not happening sign with Santos he's done um this is a pretty good if not excellent um backup 
this is the type of move that I am very surprised. I'm very happy the team went out and did this and, and did what they did, brought in this player. Um, he's age 26, so he's still he, – he's not young, but he's certainly kind of in that midpoint where he's going to reach his prime. Um, has an unbelievable amount of assists. He has 98 goals uh, – 98 appearances, 15 goals for Atlanta. Um, and I believe he's had a whole bunch of assists. And I – Wikipedia is not giving me the assist total, but it's something like 15, uh, 15 to 30 assists. Now, he's been playing with a lot of really, really good players over in... Uh, that, is very that? Hel- that is very helpful in the assist department. Yes. <laughs> when, you've got a, when you've got a guy breaking the uh, single-season goal-scoring record, that makes a huge difference um, in your assist total and what you can produce. Uh, but he's coming into a case... And, you know, this is what we talked about at the beginning of the year. What we what I talked about at the beginning of the year is I said, this team's number one goal needs to be find players that can distribute the ball to Ola Kamara in good positions, and Ola Kamara can put him in the back of the net. That is exactly what they were doing right now. They are finding those players, and and, and whether it's Flores, Assad, Areola, now it's Julian Gressel. Um, th- this changes the perspective. This is, in my opinion... Okay, let's let's back up a little bit. John... Do you think this is now a team that you can say is contending for, let's go ahead and say the top three in the Eastern Conference? Would you say that right now? Three, contending for the top three. I am, I, I feel, uh, I feel good. I don't feel any more certain about the team's long-term prospects, I think. Um, I still think we're hilariously thin up top, and I think we need more help uh, in defense. So it depends on how much more work they have to do. Unless we're going to play a seven-man midfield, like I feel like there there are some other changes that needs to be made uh, to make this team really top to bottom, and that's what you have to be. This league, uh, the leagues now are strong enough at the top that you have to have a complete roster with amazing depth to really talk about being preseason favorites for for the division. There aren't uh, gone are gone are the years where you have two strong teams that are really trying, and then other teams that are uh, taking up the heavy middle. Uh, of that of that conference, so I think that we are uh, very a very strong bet to do better than we did last year. Just yeah, even, I, even considering you know uh, players in, players out, it might net out you know somewhat even, maybe a little bit up now with the Julian Gressel move. Um, but yeah, that's that's sort of how I feel at the moment. And and and, 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 and let, let me just say, say that too that, that um, Julian Gressel is, is pretty versatile. In, in fact, the running joke is. is where, where, where is Ben Olsen going to play? Who's Ben Olsen going to play it right back? Is it going to be Julian Gressel or is it going to be Paul Ariola? Here's what I want. If, if I'm Ben Olsen, when we get to preseason, I am telling Paul Ariola and Julian Gressel, I'm going to say, you guys are going to be on the right side. I don't know who I'm going to make my right midfielder attacking or who I'm going to make my right back. Here's what I want. I want you all to know each other. I want you all to be able to read each other's minds by the end of preseason. And I'm going to I'm going to make the starting lineup. One, one of you is going to be listed as the right back. One of you is to be a slight right midfielder. But in no way, shape, or form am I expecting each of y'all to stick to those positions. You guys are going to move. You guys are going to move back and forth. If you know Paul Ariola is starting, is collecting the ball in the back, he's the right back, and then Julian Gressel, you're the one flying forward. I want those two to absolutely boss that right side. I want them to absolutely own that right side because they're capable of that. That, that, that the, the Julian, Julian Gressel and Paul Riola would already be some of the best, would be the best sort of right-sided combination play in Major League Soccer. That's what I want. And I, I want complete freedom for them on that right side to do what they want. And I think they will, we will have an unbelievable amount of success on that field 
if both those two can kind of share the responsibility on their right side, defending and attacking, because they're both capable of doing it. Julian Gressel has played on the right side. Now, they see him more as an attacking player, which opens up the idea that they're going to play maybe Paul Ariola back at right back. Your, your favorite uh, your favorite talking point, John, about Paul Ariola playing right back. <laughs> but if you have a guy like Julian Gressel, are you opposed to Paul Ariola playing right back? Yes. Okay. Because he's not very right. good at it. Uh, I think he's very not good at it. So I think that the uh, you want to put your players in the area that they're most dangerous, not the area in which they are pretty good, uh, but not as good as they are somewhere else. And you only put him back there, I think, when you absolutely need to. And there's no reason at the beginning of the season with everyone healthy, that's where he should be playing. Now, is the mid is there a midfield glut at the moment? Uh, there, I think there is. I think it's. I think that's undeniable. However, imagine going into a season where you have a player that isn't the isn't in the starting eleven that other teams would be afraid for them to come on the field at any point uh, because they are good and they could start, but they're not. That's a DC United does not normally do that. I think normally their benches historically, at least under Ben Olsen, have been. Warm garbage, maybe, I think you'd yeah. say. Uh, and the, everyone always gets mad about us not using substitutes. And then I mean, Emma Boateng is, is your attacking option off the bench. So, yeah. So I think it's very cool to think about there's an there's a possibility that in a, in, a, in any given game, Yamil Assad is on the bench, Julian Gressel is on the bench, and he's your first guy coming on at 60 minutes, and he's really going to tear it up. Like, that's, that's, a, that's a game-changing substitute that you – would not normally have for DC United, and now you have it. Yeah. And, and let's be clear, Julian Gressel deserves, I mean, DC is giving him a pay raise. So when he was at Atlanta, this is the large reason why this is happening, is because he's at Atlanta, he's been on his rookie contract, uh, which was around 144000 140, 140K, somewhere in that range. Uh, he's getting a huge raise with DC to over to 700K. And this is a fantastic move by DC to not only say, we're willing to pay you. We think you're worth that. We they valued this kid in before the draft. They wanted this kid, and I, I just imagine that draft room. You know, it's seven, eighth. He's still there. He's still there. I, I mean, as much as I love Chris uh, Odiastum, who DC also took in that draft, um, I'm willing to bet it. If if Julian Gressel was there, DC would have snacked him up. And you and it, it's kind of crazy the draft that uh, Atlanta had there. They got Miles Robinson as their second pick, and then they got Julian Gressel. Uh, who Julian Gressel's been like one of the bigger, bigger players for them, um, if you really think about it. They essentially got Atlanta's fourth best player. I mean, let's be serious. They got Atlanta's fourth best player um, in this trade. They had to pay a lot to get them. Uh, you know, a million something in allocation money is nothing to to choke at. But you're getting a, a, a player you can build. Another player that they've signed, a four-year contract, paying them $700,000. He's a TAM-level player. for He's a DP-level talent for a TAM-level signing, in my opinion. Um, remember- what they're doing. Remember when we were upset about the fact that we were signing players to one-year deals and trying to see if it would work out? Uh, yeah. And getting and now all of a sudden this team is like a serial committer. It's like, no, I love you. I, we just met, but I love you, and I want to be with you forever. And that's what we're doing now with all of our players. It's a, it's, it's a weird change. Exactly. And it, so I want to bring up a comparison. I want to bring up a comparison to, to Mr. Zoltan Stieber. Um, I have his stats up, and I know stats don't tell the whole story and everything, but I think we can all agree. Zoldan Seabro's making a million dollars through his 2017, 2018, 2019. He might have been a little bit on a – he came midseason 2017. Um, Zoldan Seabro had six goals and eight assists. I have Julian Greshel's number over three full seasons, so he played more games. He played 98 games for Atlanta. 
Um, he started 88 of those, 15 goals and 35 assists. Um, so th- there's your comparison. And this guy is not even going to be making the, the money we paid Zoltan Steeper. We paid Zoltan Steeper a million dollars a year in salary. Julian Gressel's making $700,000 a year in salary. It, it's, it's crazy to me. Just that comparison alone is just kind of crazy to me. Um, this is a fantastic move. I think this brings a lot of, uh, of good things for the club. Uh, I'm glad they went out and did this. I'm glad they made this move. Um, I, I literally, I am, I, this was the best, this was one of the best moves. And it was also kind of funny because, um, Alessandrini apparently is leaving LA. They could not work out a contract with him. He probably wants DP money. They already have two designated players. They're trying to keep that open. I get all that. Um, and I tweeted out, I said, oh man, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like Alessandrini here on DC. I think he would be a more sensible, you know, replacement. And then DC's like, nope, we're just going to go with Julian Gressel. And it comes like, oh yeah, that, yeah, that, that I'll take that. I'll take that. Forget forget everything I said. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'll take that. Um, so, what was your comment about Ben Olsen uh, after this? Um, my com- I, I think I did this on my personal account. I don't think I brought this, but I will say it. If Ben can't figure this out, then he he deserves to go. There's no more. There's no more excuses. Short of the team, you know, dying in a tragic plane crash, which if it happens, I'm I'm gonna feel terrible. Ted, if that um, happens, I think you need to go into hiding for all of time for putting that <laughs> evil out into the universe. So yes, knocking on wood. Yeah, not yeah. Uh, let's let's pray that never happens. Um, but but there's no excuses anymore. Uh, there's there there's there's a minute amount of excuses you could come up with, there, and to bait practically, there's nothing. Anything out of act of God is is literally not an excuse anymore. This team should be successful. Flores, Assad, Kamara, Ariola, now Julian Gressel. You're going to look to to bolster your back line. You've got a a goalkeeper of the year finalist. You don't have an, a question at the back. Um, maybe right now, you know, uh, what's that? Yeah, right. right. Right back, Ziffy. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll be curious to see if they're looking at that. I think they and and golf says they still have cap room, um, so they're still going to be going out and looking for somebody. So um, this is the deepest I think we've seen this team have. They're getting very very close to where I can say there are fourteen to sixteen players that could be starting on this team, and that's something we've never had. Yeah, I I think and we said it when we were talking about this earlier today. As soon as uh, as soon as we supplement the Estonian Messi. Uh, with a with a with a proven goal scorer in MLS to back up uh, Ola Kamara, then 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 I'm getting real rowdy in the pregame, and I'm getting real uh, annoying on Reddit about how confident I am about DC United's chances. <laughs> we're not we're, we're we're not there yet. From a from a we said it, if Ola Kamara goes down with injury again like he did last year, and we have the cupboard is bare, and we're starting a false nine or Ariola's up top. That was a big mistake in team planning. They've got to have somebody, I, I, and I don't think. Uh, that that what they've got so far uh, is is gonna fill that hole. So they need to figure something something out there. Not I would say someone higher than a Quincy level. Quincy was making I think seventy or eighty thousand um, dollars. You can certainly afford to spend a little bit more than that on cap for a guy uh, that you could bring in as a you know late game option or particularly you know for for an injury situation or for fixture congestion. You can't you can't run Kamara into the ground. And no, nobody else is really gonna is really gonna. No, none of the other midfielders are gonna be the goal scoring threat you need for that. So we're almost there. We're close. I'm sure they're not done. There's no way that this is what this is what they want to come into the year with. But they are. They built a midfield that will scare many defenses um, this season. Yeah, it's 
it's fun. This is fun. This is what off seasons are supposed to be. And we not to say we haven't had fun off seasons lately. I mean, Wayne Rooney was a fun off season, but this just feels there's there's a very different feeling about this. If I have to look, you know, Wayne Rooney is a top five international talent out there. There's no replacing some of the things that he does out on the field. But if I have to look top to bottom right now, this team I think is better than it was in 2019. And I'm I'm being serious about that. If I look at the start of the season in 2019 and look where we are now, I think this team is better. I think this team is more skilled, more talented, more more proven, I think. And I think that's the biggest thing, you know, because maybe, you know, I'm being rose-colored glasses. I see all the things that Julian Gressel does. He could very easily come in and have a bad season this year. I mean, it, it could easily happen. Yamil Assad can never get to the level that he is. But we've all seen the sort of the, the peaks of these players, both Gressel and, and, and Assad, enough to think that they can achieve that um, this year. Uh, Flores is, is, of course, the big question mark. Um, and, you know, Kamara is a proven goal scorer. So there's more there's more of a of a proven ability about this. It's not like when we sign we sign some of the guys on loan and it's still like, you know, who knows how their game translates to MLS. We know these players can play well in MLS. We know Assad can play well in MLS. We know Gressel can play well in MLS. We know Kamara can light it up at MLS. Um, I, I'm thinking Kamara uh, is going to be chasing the, the single season goal record. Why not? They've built a team to literally supply him the ball and for the team to put it in the back of the net. Still some things to do defensively, but um, this has been um, this th- this ranks up there as one of the best off seasons uh, DC has had. Um, I-, I don't know where where it would exactly rank all time. Um, it-, it it might be number one. I don't know if you count Rooney. Yeah, the getting Rooney was, was pretty cool. I think yeah, that was pretty cool. I'd count that maybe number one. <laughs> yeah, maybe number one. Okay, so it- it's either one or it's a it's a uh, or it's a a close uh it's a it's a number two a cl- very close number two, okay I can I can live with that, still positive I'm happy we're all happy, <laughs> the positivity on Twitter right now is 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 disorienting me and makes me think that everyone that I know on Twitter that's in the DC United universe has been body snatched, and these gotcha. are all different people. Yep. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, uh, but when we come back, uh, we got Travis Clark to talk about the the big thing we wanted to talk about this week, which was the Washington Spirits' uh, day at the day at the NWSL College Draft. So stick around. RFK Refugees Podcast, Ted here, John here, uh, joined by a very, very special guest, as always, uh, Travis Clark from Top Drawer Soccer. Uh, Travis, how you doing, my friend? I am doing well. It's a little bit cold here, but other than that, all is well. It is It is indeed very, very cold out right now. It, it, remember it, it was 70, like, yeah. not that long ago? Do you remember that? That was very cool. I washed a car outside in the winter. Times are different now. One week later. Yes, I know, right? <laughs> one one week later, it's crazy. Um, well, so a big reason we brought you on was to talk about the NWSL College Draft. Um, one went down there, uh, the Washington Spirit making some big, big moves. Uh, but before we before we get into that, um, we wanted to talk a little. We wanted to ask you a little bit. First question: DC makes a big move, uh, trades for Julian Gressel. What is your up and down opinion about this move is this we we were in the first first segment we were like this is the biggest thing we've ever seen pretty much is what it sounds like Uh, are you on the same boat there i think it's a very very much like a dc united in 2020 move right where unless the ownership group is going to like open their purse strings a lot and obviously they did for wayne rooney and they have for 
Oh gosh, I can't. Flores is Flores the the Peruvian midfielder they brought in? Yes. Edison. Yes. They brought him in, so they did spend money. I shouldn't be like that chromatic, that critically. But when you look at ways to improve, a lot of what you know DC United has done over the years is okay. What can we do within the league? And that you know the kind of player that Gressel you're on you're going out to get on the international market is going to be, you know, probably cost you a lot more instead of just fake money, right? Or, like, whatever you want to call TAM. It's not fake money, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like, you're not fake giving them a million dollars. You're giving them a million whatever, as far as I understand <laughs> it. But anyway, so it's a good move, I think, provided that he, they find the right fit for him. I'm very curious. Did, what, what did you guys think in terms of how they would use him? I know I'm, you're, I'm probably asking you to repeat yourselves to your listeners, but did you kind of talk like he's either right back? Like, where is he going to fit on the field? Uh, well, I've been uh, I've been strongly in uh, on the record uh, hating Paul Ariola at right back. Um, okay, and assuming you want to have both of those players on the field at once, the only spot that makes sense for Gressel is right back, or right wing back, and I, they don't necessarily have a right back, so that makes right. a lot of sense. So big old, big old black hole back there. So that if you're gonna if you if that's if that's the thinking, the other idea, you know, it, we were talking in the in the previous segment about how rarely we've had a difference maker on the bench. You're not gonna want to pay a guy seven hundred thousand dollars to be on the bench, but as Ted pointed out, we paid Zoltan Stieber a million dollars to be on the bench, so <laughs> it wouldn't be it wouldn't be totally out of character and impossible for us to say. We have a wealth of options here at the midfield, and we will deploy them as tactically necessary throughout the game, as as, as the game plan dictates. So yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see like how much you know. Julian Gressel is not a bad player, and I've watched him a decent amount. He he should be fine for the league, fine to continue. But you also like worry like, okay, how much? And this is true for just about any Atlanta United player, and you could even say this about Miguel Amaron, Is how much does Joseph Martinez just make? Joseph Martinez make these players look really good. Now, Oli Kamara is no slouch, and you assume you get Gressel wherever he is. You're getting him the ball in dangerous spots. He should be able to find crosses. But, you know, there's there's obvious concern about tactical fit, but I think that you'd, you'd hope Wilson's been coaching long enough that he could figure this one out, right? I think it's, it's a good... You can't really pan the move, right? Like, I don't think DC's going to go out and be able to find anyone who they know or at least have a good idea of making the team better from the international market. You know, they've already done that. They, they brought in Flores. They brought in Eric, Eric Sorga, who I'm imagining is going to be the DC United backup striker at some point on that weird deal, that, which I think is related to the CBA. Who even knows <laughs> why he's brought into Loudon? But, um, you know, it, it, it's it's definitely not a bad move for sure. We're calling him the Estonian Ronaldo, in case you're, in case you want to. Uh, I'm starting that. We'll see how how far it goes. If you see it elsewhere, you'll know that it started here. I just want to. Okay. Well, so I wish him luck with, a, yeah. with that kind of hype up. It's going to be pretty difficult, huh? It's, it's like the Indonesian Messi. We like to we like to find the cut rate version of the of the <laughs> of the star player from little known locations. Also, so if I'm if I'm hearing you correctly, Travis, this is basically. The MLS 3.0, DC United 3.0 version of spending big in the reentry draft, like signing Sean Franklin to be your starting right back for four years, sort of. No, I think it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of step above that because you're paying okay. uh, you're paying Gristle a lot more than you paid Sean Franklin, and I, it went, I'm just curious. I'm really curious to see how the team is set up and what what Olsen ends up doing because I know he played the three back a little bit, and you could argue that wing back like. 
or winger, whatever you want to call it, in like a 3-4-3 could be Gressel's best spot. I'm just, I, I think that, you know, DC saw the opportunity. I'd be curious to know what the other, uh, Bocanegra talked about. I think it's a weird move from Atlanta, but clearly they, they just didn't want to pay the guy. So, you know, this is what ends up happening. And it would just be sort of funny if the new CBA, should it ever come into place, like tweaks Tam a little bit and makes, I, I can't imagine that happening, but. It's a, you know, it's a step above that kind of a move, I would say. All right, I'll, we'll give him more credit then. And, All right, and, um, <laughs> and, and, not too much credit. Go ahead, Ted. All I want to say is that John completely cut me out of my idea, which is just have Ben Olsen make one of them right back or right midfielder on paper, and just stick both Julian Gressel and Paul Riola and say, "All right, one of y'all will defend sometimes, one of y'all will attack sometimes, sometimes y'all both will attack." And just, you know, you guys have complete freedom to absolutely boss that right side. That's my dream, to be honest, of what I think could work is just to give them complete freedom and completely revolutionize the game. That's what we want. Ben Olsen revolutionizing uh, the game of soccer. That, that, well, I that's think what that we... the, mo- the most important thing is you want to create space for Gressel to run into because that's where he's effective, right? And then you need people to get in on, of his, on the end of his crosses and whether that's late runners from midfield for a cutback or, you know, Ole Kamara for headers, whatever the case, you just have to make sure that you don't have guys bumping into each other. And uh, it's going to be an interesting sort of, because I don't think you're going to be able to replicate what uh, Gressel did for Atlanta necessarily, but I mean, I th- I, not that it makes it a bad move. It's just, it makes his fit all the more interesting, I would say. Yeah, and there's still too the possibility that this move is a future is is future proofing potential Ariola sale in the summer or even in this window. I don't think in this window, but maybe in the summer. You've got Gressel now committed to a four year deal. There's people sniffing around Ariola. Ariola will continue to get uh, play over the national team. So there's still a possibility where our headache about selection becomes less of one as players move on and move through. But either way, I think we can all agree. Good move overall. It will be interesting to see how uh, he's deployed and what the end result is and if he can come close to replicating his Atlanta form with an entirely different team around him. Yeah, I think you know it's a lot of a lot of big questions that I'll be facing, but it seems like he seems like a grounded guy and for some reason well, I obviously for a reason a good reason, I guess, wants to play for the national team once he gets citizenship, I believe, in twenty twenty one. So um it'll be that that will certainly give him plenty of motivation to not let his level drop. And from what I read, it's what kept him looking, you know, I guess pushing for this move. And it's, I feel like it's been a must, it's been in the works for a while for sure. So it's no surprise to see him being dealt. It's just, it's a, it's a risk for Atlanta too, because well, you don't want to call them rivals necessarily, you know, it's their conference conference player to an Eastern conference team. Yeah. Inner inner conference for sure. Right, Julian, uh, Julian's going to realize how far how how hard it is to stretch seven hundred thousand dollars living in the district, though. So that may he, he may regret this. He may regret this. Move. Uh, so right. Let's uh let's 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 touch base here on on all of the excitement that happened in Baltimore. Was it last week? It's all sort of a blur. Last Thursday. Last Thursday. Thursday so yeah. We were talking. We were talking sort of a little bit before the draft. Uh, realizing that the uh, there was a hope to to move up higher in the draft, they were not picking until late, I believe third round. Uh, and then uh, you know there was lots of conversation. I didn't watch the draft; I was at work, but I was watching sort of 
the the coverage of it and the 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 flurry of activity the the draft order changing like five times uh with with some lists that were correct and some lists that weren't and there was if you haven't had a chance to read it yet uh there is an athletic article that gives you sort of the behind the scenes with sky blue uh yeah run up draft and on the draft day so definitely recommend checking that out but uh, it turned out that uh, the Spirit became major uh, players in a first round that they were previously not expected to be part of. Well, they traded Mal Pugh for four draft picks, basically, is how it went down. And I wasn't there. I was supposed to be there, but I had a, a five-year-old to attend to who ended up having a little bit of a stomach bug last week. But um, it was I'm imagining it sounded like it was just as confusing, if not more confusing, being in the in like the ballroom for the draft as it was following it you know it was like oh here wait no it's this order no it's this order so uh you know i think from everything i understand with nwsl rules is the the move it was made because expansion's coming and that means uh women's national team the allocated players would likely be among the players you have to move and if you are the spirit you are for sure keeping rose lavelle and andy sullivan like if it's some i'm not i'm not i'm totally like guessing a little bit but if you are protecting quote unquote any of those players like the three national team players on the spirit you are us that is you are for sure keeping rose lavelle and you are keeping andy sullivan over mal Pugh, who has a lot more to prove and obviously her she wasn't called up for the u.s team and qualifying for the olympics so she's at a bit of a crossroads she has to move to new jersey now so i feel bad for her but the the spirit then have to you know turn around and i think with the players they've added they've got to show that they can develop and improve and you know have good enough players to even if pew had missed a lot of time for injuries and knocks and whatnot then she's you know, she's still a dangerous player. You got to think about, you got to worry about with her pace when she's on the field. So you got to make sure you have that production covered. So that's kind of the big question that faces the spirit as a result of their wheeling and dealing. Yeah, there were, there would be a question of which of those two oft injured uh, national team players <laughs> would you want to move. And I think that <laughs> Roosevelt has a bigger effect at the gate. So that's, that's, that's something. And also she hasn't had the chance to, put in a full season yet even or even three yeah. quarters of a season with the spirit. So I think it pro- definitely makes sense from that perspective to, to see what you have. Although if FC Cincinnati or whoever, whatever Cincinnati group comes to the market with an expansion team, uh, they're going to, they're going to figure out a way to extract her from Washington somehow, if it's like 37 draft picks or whatever it will be. But I have a feeling if that team comes to be that there will be, there will be some, some, you know, weird pool that gets her out of here. Um, so Assume that our fan, that our listeners are not avid uh, college soccer uh, aficionados, and maybe don't know who Ashley Sanchez is. Okay, you have, what's your what's your sort of scouting report on this player that we moved sort of heaven and earth to, or at least got Mal the draft uh, we wanted? <laughs> yeah, right. We have heaven and earth, also known as Malpew, to to acquire. Yeah, you know she's a player with a lot of attacking upside. She left school early, which is interesting. You know, you have Pew is. The was sort of a guinea pig. I wouldn't count Lindsay Horan in this, where she uh, decided to bypass women's soccer. Now, I'm of the opinion that NWSL is a step up, you know, for sure. It's a very good league. But in terms of your development and being prepared for 
NWSL, you know, playing at a big women's division one college program. I'm talking like your Stanford's, your UCLA's, Virginia's, Florida State's, North Carolina. There's, there's not a massive gap between the two teams, right? So the Pew's an interesting test case in that she, I think, I can't even remember when it was, maybe 2017, 2016, when she joined the Spirit through whatever funky mechanism to acquire her was used at the time. I can't even remember. You know, the Sanchez is has played three seasons. She's a career assist leader at UCLA, but you know, she has plenty of questions to answer about her ability. You know, she's a great attacker. She a very good passer can, you know, play the killer ball would likely play out wide. But the, you know, the question, lots of questions for me, like, you know, is she going to be physically ready for the demands of, you know, sometimes the NWSL can trend to be a little bit more physical, you know, are you just as simple as being big, strong and athletic, right? I know that's simple and it's more than that. And there's a lot of soccer that is played too, which sounds stupid, but I'm just trying to cover my, my tracks here. Uh, you know, you got to find a way to get the best out of Sanchez. And she's not like as much of a, I wouldn't say sure thing, but she doesn't have the traits that really are as much of a lock. I would say, you know, how much is she going to track back? What, you know, how locked in and how dialed in will she be? And I think that you if you can find ways to get the best out of her, she could be really effective, definite potential full national team player for sure. You know, it's just a matter of finding her the right fit for her with the spirit and ways to make, you know, that passing creativity vision. She can score goals too, for sure, but you know, she's going to be creating chances more often than she's going to be scoring goals. I would think so. Uh, you know, again, like, like the Gressel situation, I'm curious to see what, Sanchez is able to put together right away and you know how is the staff working with her are they patient and they you know trying to figure out ways to let her impact the game so you know there's a lot you know it's definitely she's definitely a very good player too I don't want to come off sounding too negative which is kind of my brand but <laughs> like she you know she just has some things to figure out and it'll be interesting to see what what um I guess my my question um, my question sort of comes from uh, just sort of the the what for what the spirit gave up in in Mallory Pugh and just in the whole package not just Ashley Sanchez but the picks that they made and we'll and we'll get maybe into some details on some of those players. Do you think uh, based on the surface did the spirit uh, did the spirit give up too much or did you think maybe that sky blue overpaid? I think it has a chance to be a fair deal because when you look at the, the the sort of looming situation of expansion, if another team enters the market for 2021, it's sort of like the Emily Sonnet deal where Emily Sonnet was moved by the Thorns because they probably might, wouldn't be able to protect Sonnet. So they traded her to the Orlando Pride for the first overall pick. Like that kind of a move it has an eye towards that. And I think... And Richie Burke came out and said in an article that that's what they were sort of envisioning with happening to Pew as well. So I think it has a chance to be pretty fair and pretty even deal when it's all said and done, because there are, you know there are risks for both Pew for let's call it like Sanchez, Natalie Jacobs, and Avery Collins, and um, even though the, the her you know the Collins is a, a bit of a more of a head scratcher for me, a little more of a surprise pick considering some of the players available. I think that 
you know, if you hit on, let's say, two out of the three, then you're doing pretty well. And, I, you know, I think Nally Jacobs, versatile player, U.S. US Youth National Team play, uh, veteran, curious to see what her ideal position is. But there's a good soccer player there and, a, and a talent, another talented player that can be developed and molded into a, you know, maybe not a contributor right away, but somebody that gets minutes as the season winds on. Yeah, I think also too, uh, Sky Blue has a, a issue where they need to sell some tickets now. Uh, now that they're now that they're renting a much larger facility, so I think that yeah. having a, you know they already have they already have you know some names. They have a name. Uh, they would like another name uh, that will sell some tickets. So I think that I think that's a real good way to make sure that this trade gets balanced out, no matter what how these draft picks net out for the Spirit. The Spirit seem to have added, you know, a whole bunch of players who, if you ask what position they play, Richie Burke would say all over the field, just, just talented midfielders. Just really, we like, we like their versatility. There were, you know, I think there are, there were two center backs signed over, off, over the off season, but everyone else basically is, is uh, uh, there are attacking pieces uh, in the midfield that will fit in how they fit in. Uh, where, where did this team really need to strengthen this off season and have, have they done it? I, I, I thought uh, aside from, uh, Hatch, who I believe had six goals, maybe seven goals. Um, she was pretty. She was pretty consistent. Uh, Shayna Williams, not very consistent. There were there were they were fourth in the league in scoring, but it felt like every game that I was watching that they were not. They weren't creating enough chances when certain players were out, and then they weren't finishing the options either. So it's they they clearly needed to, to tune up their offense, and they've thrown a whole bunch of things at the wall here from a player's perspective. <laughs> What, how do you, how do you see? I think they're probably pretty done now. How do you see the the, the final grade for the transition this team has gone in in the off season? Yeah, I think that the goal scoring department would be my my biggest concern when you look at again, as you mentioned last year, who who's going to create, who's going to score. I think that uh, the the Japanese players that they signed, whose name escapes me, and I'm not sure if you have it off the top of your head, but she's definitely. I'll get to I it. I don't. Th- I don't think it's uh It's been announced yet, but that that's gonna a lot of, a lot will fall on her in terms. Of, you know, because you give away Pew. Like it, it's a, it's a funny thing to look at, right? Because when you're talking NWSL, it's like you have to view it through this U.S. Women's National Team spectrum, and Rose Lavelle and Pew are the two big names for the Spirit, but they really didn't play there that much you know during the 2019 season or you know at least play together so uh, i think that if sanchez can start right away she's somebody who can make a big like if she can figure out a way as i was talking about to have that impact to create those chances then you have to worry about okay uh, you know who's going to finish those those chances so you know kumi yokoyama is the player i was referring to but you know if she's somebody that can shoulder that load and handle the I don't want to call it rough and tumble, but you know the the, the physical, the pace, the speed, that that sort of a thing. I think they have a pretty well, you know, put together team. Aside from that, so you know, you're looking at a pretty good defense. You know, you have a lot of questions they've got to answer as well in terms of, you know, how what kind of consistency can you provide, and is the team going to be competing for playoff spots like how and who's going to improve and who's going to get better from last season's roster as well so uh you know I'm, I'm a big andy sullivan fan and i have been for a long time 
uh, I thought Sam Stab, you know, the, the picks they had last year is kind of what I'm looking at, you know, Jordan DiBiase, Sam Stab, you know, if they take a step forward. I think that is huge for the team, whether it's, you know, at the back or going forward. So uh, I think you need a little bit, you know, you have to trust the new players that have come in, but for a team that appears to be building the way that the Spirit have, you've got to also, uh, you know, you got to have your players improve on a year-to-year basis to make sure they're getting better. So I, I think that's kind of the big key for them, in my opinion. I feel like the challenge to NWSL with the the small size of the league and the real strength that there is at the top of the table, like the best, I feel like, just from an observer's perspective, I feel like the best you're shooting for right now is fourth place, is, is to get into the playoffs. Uh, North Carolina has the, has the top sort of wrapped up. I'm interested to see what Chicago looks like in a post-Sam Kerr world. Uh, but mm-hmm. rain, I'm curious too. What what results in Rain's new ownership agreement with Leon? Like how how much does that affect things? I, uh, there's so much. There's only so much money you can throw at an NWSL team based on the way that the the salary cap works and, and everything else. But um, things change from year to year. Washington went from one of the worst teams to sort of middle of the road. Um, so right, and do they do they take a step forward? Can you keep right. going? And I think uh, one thing as somebody that covers youth development in soccer specifically it's always an interesting what is being done as a coaching staff to try to get your players better and i know that at the professional level it's generally not sort of the the primary outcome but i think for the spirit and the way they're building like i said you you need that internal improvement and then i would say the signings aren't like huge splashes they're pretty modest jenna hellstrom uh, you know, was a standout at Kent State that I remember when she was there uh, before going abroad and has been in and out of the Canadian national team, I believe. Like, you know, what what she brings could be a pretty key piece. And you, there's not, but there's no like, and I think that's kind of going out of limb by saying that there are like a, a star signings that are being made left, right, because that's not really what happens in the NBCL, as you mentioned. So I think, again, you need to have that internal improvement. And then, you know, somebody like, you know, Brooke Hendricks shows that she can come and adjust to the league quickly. One of the defenders they signed. And if that kind of comes together, then then things could certainly be on the up and up. All right, Travis, I have you on today. And this this wasn't a question I was, I guess, planning to ask from the beginning. But um, you are you cover a lot of youth soccer. So I think it's certainly worth bringing up. so I guess throughout the sort of uh, decline of the U.S. men's national team, I've always really enjoyed watching a lot of the youth national teams, um, U-20s in the World Cup. Um, I didn't watch much of the U-17s, uh, but I certainly have enjoyed watching those performances. This almost been kind of like a ray of hope. I thought Tab Ramos was, was doing an incre- a pretty good job with those teams, and, and I saw some, some really good talent, of course, come through there. Uh, it almost seems like the U.S. soccer has gone the anti, sort of the opposite direction in hiring Anthony Hudson. Uh, heavily, heavily criticized move. I got to ask you, is it as bad as we think it is? You know, it's really hard to judge from where I am, which is sitting on my couch in my living room. Like, Judge away. We do it all the time. It's fun. Trust me. <laughs> to have some takes. No, I'm just trying to be fair, right? I'm trying to take an even look at it and, and think about you you know, I think whomever was letting it be known that the Federation had asked a couple of MLS teams about hiring coaches and they had been kind of rebuffed. I believe Nolan Sheldon at DC United was mm-hmm. targeted for the under-20 job. And, he, you know, I think when your hands are tied like that, 
you can have a little bit more sympathy. And I, I do think the, the the everyone must move to Chicago if you're a youth national team decree or whatever you want to call it requirement is super bizarre when you're talking about a youth national team job that will only be held for you know a small term in a cycle so well the anthony hudson from everything i've heard is you know he's not the the best coach you want to turn up and coming talent to i'm willing to give him a chance and see one of his teams play either in qualifying before i'm you know i really sing i think that's where it comes into right like i'm not going to be totally down on it until i see uh you know an anthony hudson team wearing a u.s shirt roll out there and really crap the bed so yeah, I, while I think there is definitely reasons to be concerned, the I'm I'm in a little bit more of a wait and see mode, mode than some of the other people who are letting their um, opinions be should be known. I guess. And and I guess Olympic qualifying is sort of the big thing coming up. Um, I know it's not a big tournament, a big sort of international for for the men's side. Um, obviously, we know the women are probably going to qualify. Where do you, Probably, yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you see the Do you see the men qualifying this year? Is this the year we kind of get over the hump? Because I don't think we've participated. I want to say it was 2008 in Beijing. Beijing was the last time men's soccer had a representation at the Olympics. Yes, uh, it has been quite some time, and I think that the the pressure should be on the federation, should be on Jason Christ. There should be enough. And, and while I won't go out and say our player pool at the U23 level is better than it's been in the past, I do think one thing that would be unique about it is a lot of the best players of that age group are not going to be available because they play first-team soccer in Europe, right? So you know that's like Weston McKinney, Christian Pulisic, Tyler Adams. So even if, you know, let's say the U.S. doesn't qualify in the men's, the men's don't qual- the men's team doesn't qualify uh, you know you can give them a little bit of uh, commiseration cut them a little bit of slack but i do think i mean come on people let's uh, beat canada or whatever like you know they're in a group they're in a group with mexico which means they don't have to beat mexico for a spot in the olympics right so uh, you know that that's <laughs> good news in and of itself so you finish in top true in a group of you costa rica the Dominican Republic and Mexico. That's definitely doable for as poor as the national team has been of late. You know, obviously the main concern is, can you do it in Mexico? Can you do it in Guadalajara? Like the U S U S men's teams have struggled playing away from home for whatever reason. Although you could say they lost to Costa Rica, you know, at home. So they struggled there too. But I do think that they should be good enough, but I I felt that, I think every four years. So we'll see how I'm proven wrong this time. <laughs> Hope springs eternal. I, I I think two things we haven't considered for the Chicago edict of living in Chicago, two possibilities. One, uh, Ernie Stewart is a real estate agent in Chicago and is looking to get some <laughs> some money that way. Or two, uh, in order to make up for short uh, shortfalls on funding, they're trying to lend out rooms in soccer house to the coaches they gotta pay for all the lawsuits don't forget exactly (laughs) it ain't free to hire lawyers and tell and and try to disprove the fact that the women are good and they should be paid well so that's that's not a that's not a free thing one last thing before we let you go as a uh passive observer of loudon united maybe that was that is that a fair is that a fair decision let's let's talk about all all every single team we can think of let's do that (laughs) (laughs) well listen this is one it's just one quick 
we well, I think we've talked about a lot. No, I'm, about- I'm happy to. I'm just I'm it's funny. I'm I'm just poking fun. I'm happy to go ahead. It's fun. Listen, I'm not taking it personally. It was it, <laughs> I am just asking you about all the teams. Uh, <laughs> we talked, I think, last year about the what, why, why, why is Loudon? What is Loudon United? What is the what is the point of this team? Uh, and uh, the question remains, sort of like what what do they want this team to be? They now have. DC United now has 37 midfielders. Uh, three of them are under the age of uh, 18 or 19, I guess. Griffin Yao's bringing the age up a little bit. So clearly, there's going to be a place for minutes for them. Uh, they're not making they're not making any sort of <laughs> USL moves here in the off season. They're, they're, half of their team has gone to New England Revolution Two, basically from last year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what 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 do we expect to see? I mean, they 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 had you know. A crazy schedule last year. They had a team where they were bringing guys off the street and throwing jerseys at them and putting them in the starting lineup and in center back specifically. Um, what what do you what do you think this team's going to look like this year? Uh, will they do better than last year, or they probably not? Yeah, who, it's honestly who knows. You don't have the goal scoring maestro Gordon Wild anymore, so or Kyle Murphy. <laughs> that's all. That's like eighty percent of their goals right there. Both of them gone. Yeah. So look, it's a. Uh, it's trying to serve as that bridge between the academy and MLS. You know, you talk a lot about players being ready for MLS from college and how they're not. It's it's even more difficult, I feel like, as the league improves. And yes, I'll still make fun of it every day. Every day. If, as if I don't make fun of MLS, then what am I doing here? Let's be <laughs> honest. But the... The USL team is primarily going to be a place for those kids to get minutes. You know, looking at Griffin Yao, Kevin Paredes, who they signed, Moses Nyman. You know, my hope for those guys is that, one, there's... And I think Ryan Martin will probably be thinking of this, and hopefully somebody like Nolan Sheldon, maybe less Benny, maybe less Chad Ashton. But, you know, is there a detailed thought process being put into these kids, or are they just signing so there's that public projection that, okay signing players from our academy because we have this usl team we're sinking money into like i'm I'm just hopeful that it's not just a sort of reactionary thing and you know make you know that these players have detailed at least somewhat detailed like goals to hit tangible targets maybe uh, maybe i'm asking for too much here but i feel like you're doing a kid a disservice if you sign him and then plop him down at a usl team in the middle of nowhere let's be honest leesburg that's where you are. That's but, where you are. You can go to the outlets. There's some good. There's some decent retail. There's supposedly there's a good brewery there too, from what I've gathered. There's, there's decent breweries in in Leesburg. Actually, we don't mind. It's just an hour away, so and that can be three hours. The we're gonna, we're gonna have Ryan Martin on the show, and I wonder if I will ask him why is Loudon United. I feel like I probably won't. I probably won't have the guts. Well, to... like as much as I make fun of Loudon, I do appreciate the fact that DC United, when they're launching this, put in the process put in a thought to and maybe i said this when i was on here last year i'll probably say it somewhere like to create a sort of a separate identity right even if those stands were bare at least it's not dc united 2 all the way out in Loudoun, because that wouldn't make a lot of sense so you have this chance to create your own identity and within and like sort of like emulate a minor league baseball team and then you're not that far away from your regular team so uh supposedly there's also supposed to be a, a new training facility being built out there but who knows if that's actually come to pass or not. But you know, I think that 
if if all of those academy kids aren't at least getting a lot of minutes, then it's a little bit of a waste because that's you know I think their their loss of Brian Ko, who obviously is playing with a full men's national team, you know probably increased the necessity to sign a few of the other players, and you know I'm, I'm hopeful that bright things are ahead. But look, this is also not just like a DC United problem or a um, DC United organizational thing. It's also a what you see a little bit in soccer in America for kids that stay here where it's the coaching approach is what can you do for me right now versus who can you become and what kind of potential you have. At least that's how I perceive it. Uh, and I'm going to end my rant at that. And it probably made no sense. <laughs> it, it's okay. Travis. I, I agree with you hundred percent with the establishing in your own market as a Richmond kick and see Richmond kicker season ticket holder. And we'll playing against two team. I think like three or four teams that are two and at least one team that has B in their name. So I 100% agree with you. All right, uh, Travis, next we are going to talk about the DC United Academy teams. And what, no, I'm just kidding. We're not going to, we're not going to make you go through that. Uh, thanks so I much for that too. But, uh, just, just so your listeners know. I'm sure, sh- I'm sure I'm absolutely hundred percent. That's that be a Patreon app. We'll, we'll get into the, the, the U nines, whatever one Baron was on. What's the one we'll, we'll, we'll get into next. They, they, they don't have that. <laughs> oh, that's you, right. The, right? Uh, that's yeah. a good. That's a that's a whole. Note. I opened a can of worms. Yes. But I just want to say before we wrap, only Travis Clark would doubt the fact that the training facility will be built in in La- <laughs> in Leesburg after all of the cups. Hey, listen, we don't know if it's actually going to be built. I'm not seeing shovels in the ground. They could, this could all be vaporware. It's not real. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Travis, tell tell the good people where they can find you. Um, I'm sure most people are familiar, certainly familiar with you. Uh, but go ahead in case anybody listening doesn't know where they can where they can read you. I've been using your your site's draft tracker to, to make sure I had all the the spirit picks down. So, well, hopefully the draft tracker is accurate. <laughs> uh, you can check out our content at topdoorsoccer.com and follow me on Twitter at Travis M Clark. All right, Travis, thank you so much for joining us and uh, stick around. We'll be back to wrap up the show. Uh, you're listening to the RFK Refugees podcast. Welcome back to the RFK Refugees podcast. Thank you so much to Travis Clark of TopDrawerSoccer.com for covering, for helping us uh, break down uh, the NWSL draft, Julian Gressel, everything in between. He talked about so much in that. uh, If you skipped over it, I don't know why you did, but you should go back and check it out and listen to that segment. Uh, We're here to wrap up the show. Um, John, uh, let's start. MLS Cup or bust for DC? Ooh. Uh... Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. I, I put him on the spot. Right I don't know how to even answer that question. No, I don't. I don't think that's. I just again, all I want to see is improvement. I would yeah, like yeah. us to see this win a playoff game. A home playoff win would be amazing. <laughs> would make me happy, and it will happen. By the way, because this is the, this. I don't have season tickets this year, and as as per <laughs> as per the rules, now this team is going to win something. So you're welcome, everybody. Yeah. Uh, that's, yes. I won't. I won't be there. Uh, oh, by the way, though. If there's an event, I think there's a season ticket holder event coming up. I'll be out of town. If you have extra tickets to events like that, and you're thinking, I don't think my wife wants to go to this, or I have an extra, <laughs> who who could want to go to this? Maybe someone who used to be a season ticket holder who no longer is, and and can and can sneak out for like hours at a time. I'm your man. DM me. I will be there. I will be there to like you know buy you a beer and then hang out with Yamil Sa. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, let's get to some comments. Uh, basically we asked you guys to give us your opinions and basically we had two, 
Uh, one's from uh, Carbine, who says, uh, I think we actually have three. All this news is making me feel pretty good. I think we agree. And Don says, everything is awesome and amazing, and I love everybody. And then uh, John, uh, ZZ Average Geeks, says, uh, Flora signing Gressel trade, safe standing now a real thing. Uh, me waiting for February 29th. And that's what we didn't talk about. Safe standing is actually coming, folks. It is officially 100% confirmed. It's here. It's true. It's here. Uh, team needed to do this. I think 100%. We've talked about this. Um, I think it was nice to see it as official. Um, there's some other things maybe we also want in the stadium. This is something that needed to get done. And I I feel like on, you know, I, I've, there's a lot of people that sort of still come at me and say, oh, well, this is what it should have been. And I'm grumpy and angry. And this is, you know, blah, 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 blah. There are good things happening with this team. I think the, the ownership has realized their mistakes. The people they hired to put in charge did not care, and these are now people who do care. Hirings are coming. We got some amazing content with Flores, by the way. Just some some stuff we never got with the $13 million that uh, Flo or the $2 million or however much they ended up actually paying um, for coverage. So that all is really good, and and I think it's it's a testament that the club is now aware and paying attention, um, and they're they're aware of the mistakes and they're and they're responding to them. So. I ask you, if, if you've been negative on the club before, check it out now. I think you will be pleasantly surprised with how things have changed. Yeah, let's let's see if the let's see if the type of play changes and is attractive and exciting. We got we got a few more comments I want to make sure. Uh Julian says this year feels like it's the beginning of a rebuild to be a championship team again, and I'm excited. And that's that's a real that's a real good positive take. I feel like that is yeah. there's certainly reason to feel like that. Uh and then we had a one question I want to make sure we get. Uh Samson said, uh, you think we move Segura or Boateng? We have a lot of winger depth, uh, Yao, too. And then I think you already responded, Segura, no, Boateng, possibly. It will depend heavily on what the market is for both of those players. Yeah. Segura was rumored to be a potential chip to move uh, earlier in the offseason. I don't know how much validity there is to that. I think that we know that he is one of Ben Olsen's favorite players uh, to, to stick in uh, in the second half of a game. Boateng has not made any effect at all. But he was acquired for very little amount of, of I think, one hundred fifty thousand to L.A. So uh, that might just be a cut bait situation if you if you need the roster space. Uh, what do you think, Ted? Uh, so uh, here's my thing. The reason I say Boateng yes, yes is because uh, versatility is is kind of king. I think right now on MLS and and I think what we learn what we have learned with Segura, he can play right midfield. He can play in the center. He can play sort of in the right back position. And having him off the bench, he actually is a pretty effective player. Uh, His finishing leaves a lot to be desired. There were times I threw my hands up uh, on some of his plays. But as as a hardworking guy who's going to go out there and bust bust his tail, uh, I didn't really see the same from Emmanuel Boateng. And and I don't think he got too many appearances. And I, I think... If you look at the market, probably the market's going to trend more to if I get Boateng in a fresh situation, he's a talented player and I can make the most of it. Um, I, I I am willing to bet that, you know, Bettison looks and he says, I've already got Ariola, I've already got Gressel, I've already got uh, Segura who can fill that role as well out on the right. Those are three guys I know can play that position. Not sure about Boateng. Boateng has some has some tradeability has some has some has some marketability. Uh, he's going. He's basically the fourth wheel um, on a three wheel cart, and it's time to uh, yeah. See, you love that. You love that little. Uh, you love that. You, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean, he. In my opinion, that that's kind of what I'm thinking is going to happen. I just think Segura's versatility 
and maybe his lack of finishing or, 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 or the ability to make the kill stroke, but he still did a lot of good things that I, I think shouldn't go um, unnoticed. And he's now a depth guy. I mean, before he was kind of a spot starter. Now he is very much resided to the bench. Uh, he is going to be coming off the bench uh, almost full time. Uh, there'll be very, very few times. I think, I think he will start half the games he started last season. Good. Um, In my mind, that's yeah. good. Yeah. 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 That's really good. We have one more compliment. Well, one more tweet about uh, Eric Schlein says, "This might be the one in fourteen million timeline, fellas. Things are falling into place. I'm cautiously overly optimistic. Give me a solid backup to Kamara, and I'm in." That's actually my exact feelings. Uh, so we're, yeah. we're we we share that. But overall, like I said before, when we started the show, uh, the fan base is on is curiously optimistic right now. I don't know. We haven't started anything. Nothing's happened yet. So there's still time for something to be the dumbest thing that could ever happen. And this team could be very cheap and this team could hate the fans. All those things could happen very quickly. But this week they've gotten, uh, they've gotten a couple good news cycles. So hopefully it continues. We get, we continue to get good video content. Um, I think the guy who does the video content for the team, just follow the show account. So, uh, you're doing a great job. If you happen to also be a listener, keep it up. More, more is better. Yeah. Keep give give us all you can give us. Um, yeah. But overall, we're happy, right? This is we're, this yeah. is happy RFK refugees time. This is indeed happy RFK refugees time. I think we biggest thing is is I believe it was mentioned when they made the Flores signing. It was kind of like all right, we're we're back to sort of where we were in 2019. And I think the Gressel signing is kind of that one signing. I think that kind of just pushes everything um, into another category where you can start to say, yeah, this team has definitely improved from last year. Um, it's got to all come together, though. Um, let's be serious. I mean, I, I, preseason is going to be interesting to watch. We're going to see Flores out there. We're going to see Gressel and how it all mixes together. Um, and what type of formation Metals is going to play? He he said he's not married to a formation. He might roll out a 4-3-3 for all we know. He might roll out a 3-4-3 a three, three or a 3-5-2. Seven-man midfield. I don't know. Seven-man midfield. It's going to happen. It's going to revolutionize the game. 4-6-0, <laughs> <six>, baby. <laughs> All right. Again, yes. Thank you so so much, y'all, for listening. Um, you guys are awesome. Uh, we we are we will look to do a live show today. Would have probably been the perfect time for it. Um, thanks DC for giving us the lead time to get it together. Um, also, our producer was sick. So, um, but you guys are awesome. You guys are great. Um, and uh, we will catch you all. Maybe DC will sign Messi. Who knows? Maybe we'll be back. Maybe next week. and maybe people should also look at Patreon.com/slash/RFKRefugees and sign up as a as a Patreon to support us uh, ahead of the season. We haven't talked yeah. about it yet, but there is a very good chance that yours truly and Ted will be uh, live in person at the home opener recording the podcast. Yet to be determined if we'll be able to broadcast live. I'm not sure what the technology uh, would require there, yeah. but at the very least, you will see both of us uh, with a microphone in front of our face uh, at a location to be revealed shortly. So make sure you, uh, if you already were thinking maybe I should come to the home opener, I guess this team's okay. But wait, the podcast podcast that I listen to is going to be recording live? Okay, now I'm absolutely going to go. If that's you, if that's the weird three of you who maybe weren't going to go otherwise, uh, this is your chance. Uh, we'll get more details as uh, as we get closer. Exactly. Please, yes, support us on Patreon. We do cool things with, with the money. That's how we got the live shows, which we will be bringing back. We're, we're going to work to try to bring those back um, for sure before the season starts. So um, thank you all so much for listening and supporting us. Uh, we will catch you all next week. Vamos. Vamos.